This is Mark Fletcher, and welcome to my world. Welcome to Southern Tales, Tall and Otherwise. Someone has said, A friend is a person who is willing to take me the way I am. Marvin J. Ashton once said, It takes courage to be a real friend. Some of us endanger the valued classification of friend because of our unwillingness to be one under all circumstances. Fear can deprive us of friendship. Some of us identify our closest friends as those with the courage to remain and share themselves with us under all circumstances. A friend is a person who will suggest and render the best for us, regardless of the immediate consequences. Southern Tales, Episode 4, Tony Asimacher. This week on Southern Tales, we admit the obvious. There's no way to continue if I don't talk about Tony, Tony Asimacher. And, yep, you guessed it. This is one of the names that I don't have to change. I mean, he's mentioned in almost every episode anyway, or a lot of them. I mean, Tony's just a fixture, even though we were only together for maybe two and a half years. It was probably the most critical two and a half years of my life, it seems. So if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please pause and go back and listen. I keep telling you these stories are meant to build a foundation about the people and personalities, places, you know, all this stuff that goes just to, paint the picture of just all the craziness, stupidity, sex, drugs, death, lots of rock and roll. I'm the one who came through all this. These are my stories. Eh, Some of them I've heard, and and I'm still here to talk about it. A lot of the guys in these stories aren't. And while there may be some disputes about the actual facts, this is the way I remember it, in my opinion. Every goddamn word is true. So we get to Tony Asamacher and you go, who is Tony Asamacher? And why is he so important? You know, previously we've kind of talked about how my personality and my thoughts and thinking was formed. And, and it, it kind of all started for me when he moved down the street from me during fifth grade. And since we were the same age, and rode the same bus for an hour every morning, an hour every afternoon. It wasn't long before we were together all the time. You see, we lived way out in the sticks on the United States Army Ammunition Plant Reservation. 
They had an area called Q, Area Q. It stood for quarters. Don't get cute with me. Where there were 32 houses where all the key personnel who worked at the plant lived. My father was a chief safety engineer, and that's where we lived. Most folks rotated in and out every two years or so, as was the Army way. And Tony's father was one of these. Not long after he moved into the area, Doug, the neighborhood bully, stole my bike again. He did this about once a month because he he could. He, He was a bully, like I say, and I was a dork, like you know. Oh, he didn't do anything real bad. He'd usually throw it down a hill into a field, and I'd find it a few days later, and I'd walk down there, and I'd fetch it and bring it home. Um, anyway, Tony hadn't been there long, and he saw what happened, and Tony confronted Doug. I don't think he really hit Doug. He might have hit him. I don't remember exactly, but he let Doug know he wasn't scared. Doug was much bigger than Tony, who was a little smaller than me. One thing Doug figured out, because he was a smart boy too, he didn't want none of Tony. Knocked me out. I had no idea that just by standing up to somebody and letting them know would back them down. So Tony and I were best friends. And we did everything together. I mean, we went to the pool together. We walked the creek together. We we went in the woods. We collected turtles and snakes and frogs and all all kind of cool things. Um, so there's all kinds of stories like the story when Tony and I and, and the neighborhood kids used to play football in Fred Mullen's front yard Fred's father was the CO and Fred was a couple of years older than us he was a pretty big guy too and there'd be four or five maybe six of us if we didn't play three on three we'd play something called schmo where somebody get the ball and everybody try to hit him it was kind of fun, I guess. But one day in the front yard, we kind of rolled past some yellow jackets and we discovered a hole in the front yard where the yellow jackets were emanating from. That means they was pouring out of that hole, right? So Tony and I, I mean, we we're pretty smart. We said, we got to do something about it. So on this day in particular, we decided to go together, run up to it and put the football over the hole. Seemed like a really great idea, didn't it? Unfortunately, the next day, when he wanted to play football, there it was on that hole full of yellow jackets. Ah, we decided we needed to play football that bad anyway, so the ball stayed there. And the ball stayed there for three or four days till finally it just got us. I mean, we had to play football. So what are we going to do? Well, nobody wanted to be the person to pull that football off of that yellow jacket hole. So Tony and I, being best friends, decided we would hold hands and run as fast as we could, and one of us was going to kick the ball, and we'd run down the hill towards his house. And so we did. I forget who actually kicked it, but we decided that in advance anyway, and so we started running. And the minute the foot hit the ball, We were both completely covered with yellow jackets. I've never seen anything happen so fast in my life. And we were running away. We went down a big hill, down his driveway, into the back of his house where we were hitting and slapping and stomping and screaming. And we grabbed the water hose. We were spraying and going crazy, all kinds of things. 
Truth was, we'd both been stung about 20 times. But you know, we did it together. And and that was cool. And I guess out in the country, there there's all kinds of critters. And like I say, we used to collect, we had window wells where we'd keep our turtles and snakes and frogs and stuff. Um, one day, we were in the woods, and three of us, I think Kevin was with us, and, and I happened to see this beautiful box turtle by a tree i was kind of leading the group and i i leaned over to pick it up and while i was bent over looking at the turtle i heard kevin and tony start screaming i looked back between my legs fortunately i didn't stand up and saw them running i heard a buzzing noise and then peeked above me and saw a long black line i'm not kidding you it would look like a, a rope extending from right above my head in the tree all the way to them boys i mean and the law lo- and the rope kept getting longer and longer it was bumblebees they completely missed me because i'd bent over i slowly crept over to my right and stood there and watched that black line i did not get bit once but they took quite a hit heck you talk about all the critters and everything we had one window well full of toad frogs one time, little baby toad frogs, actually, and, and they were all pretty small. And one day we came home, and there was this big black chicken snake who had somehow found that window well and was having him a big time. He'd ate probably 30 or 40 toad frogs. Pissed us off. Tony grabbed that snake out of the hole, and we cut his head off, and then we sliced him open. And this is no kidding. It must have been like a Jonah and the whale kind of story because about the first foot inside that snake was full of live toad frogs. From about a foot down, they were already dead. But imagine what those toad frogs told their buddies when they got out of there. I mean, that's how some of these stories happen. I mean, like the Jonah and the whale thing. It could have been something like that. Um but anyway, there was there was critters all around, and we were outdoors kind of folks. We used to go camping. Um, we did some survival campouts where we wouldn't take hardly anything with us, but like matches and a fishing rod or whatever. One time, Tony and I went on a three- or four-day mission to Pine Lake. It was pretty far away, maybe five or six miles, and uh, I think my dad dropped us off out there, and we had a tent. You know, it was during the summer. And, and with BB guns and some matches and a fish hook, we figured we'd be just fine. Let me tell you, we weren't just fine. We didn't catch a fish. On the second day, we finally killed a blue jay, and we got a fire started, and we roasted a little piece of blue jay meat over the fire. Yeah, it didn't go so well. I would not recommend eating a blue jay. It didn't, didn't work out so well. I think we wound up uh, somehow finding... I think Tony's dad came and checked on us like that next day, and we decided we might want to go home. The whole survival thing didn't go so good. I'd mentioned uh, Fred was, uh, I think, two years older than us, and he had a buddy, Marvin, who was a year older than him. So let's say me and Tony are 11, so they must be 14 and 15. And we learned a lot from those guys because they were really the modern-day outdoorsmen. I mean, they knew everything about set up tents they had all kind of cool equipment and you know I, marvin was kind of a scientist and, and and fred was just a good all-around guy but they were older than us and they kind of took advantage of us uh, the four of us one time decided to go camping i mean it's during christmas break 
I didn't, you know, I don't think I'd ever watched a weather report or anything, but Tony and I, we were into roughing it. We didn't think we needed a whole lot of equipment. Well, Fred and Marvin, we walked about two miles, I guess, out into the woods near the creek and set up camp. Uh, they had a tent. They had a kerosene lamp. They had uh, all kinds of really cool gadgets and different things. And Tony and I had, he had a sleeping bag, and I'd brought a blanket. And that's basically all we had. I did have a can of beans that I brought with us to eat. So it gets to be about 30 degrees, 7 or 8 o'clock at night. Fred and Marvin are cooking steaks over the fire or something like that. It might have been hamburgers or hot dogs. Even hot dogs would look like steaks to us because we had a can of beans but no can opener. We couldn't open our can of beans. And we asked the boys if they would borrow something. Let's borrow something. They said, nope, you guys are on your side of the fire. We're on ours. In fact, they didn't even let us get too close to the fire, which, you know, they kind of mentioned we should start our own fire, but we didn't have anything to start a fire with. I think we wound up using a knife to stab the can, you know, a hundred times. We finally squeezed some beans out. No big deal. Not a problem. Um, those guys retreated to their tent. They had the kerosene lamp and all kinds of cool gadgets in there. And about 10, 11 o'clock at night, it dropped another 10 degrees. It's probably 20 degrees outside and it starts snowing. Tony and I had managed to figure out we would huddle in one sleeping bag together with a blanket, but it didn't matter. It was freezing and we were dying. We started screaming at them to let us in the tent. They wouldn't. So boys, y'all need to learn a lesson. Well, we were learning a lesson. So we took our BB guns and we started shooting into their tent. Um, That was all fine and good until they started shooting back. And when it's 20 degrees out, it's not a good time to get by BB. So Tony and I did the only thing that two smart outdoorsmen would do in a situation like this. At two in the morning, we hiked the two miles back through the woods to to our house. And um, that was the end of that successful camping trip. And another valuable lesson learned. Don't trust the older boys. We used to invent things to do together. And there was a show on at the time called Alias Smith and Jones. This was the early 70s. And it had a a guy named Pete Duell who played um, Hannibal Hayes. And Ben Murphy, I think, played Kid Curry. We were entranced by the show. And the whole story about them trying to get the governor to give them clemency or whatever. And they were outlaws. It doesn't matter. Alias Smith and Jones, the show. You can still find that out there if you want to see it. I'd highly recommend it. I played Hayes. He was a smart one, and, and Tony was Kid Curry, the one with ability, ability, because Tony was pretty athletic and different stuff. And we used to ride our bikes and then our mini bikes on these missions, and we'd make up all kinds of stuff. But, you know, and, some, and sometimes the missions were moral and wonderful. Oftentimes the missions were stupid and crazy. Uh, we had BB guns, and we'd prowl the woods, putting down, you know, all sorts of villains. And, and, and there were girls. Thank God we didn't like girls at this time, so we just aggravated the hell out of them. Uh, On the bus, there was this girl named Beverly. Beverly hated us more than most for some odd reason, and and probably Tony more than me. Um, But Tony got real famous at school because Beverly broke two brushes over his head. Um, Yeah, she didn't like him, and uh, she made sure he stayed away from her. Um, Remember, not one brush, and these were the old thick, kind of brushes when they actually made them uh, she broke two brushes on his head uh, pretty sure tony's head wasn't hurt um of course 
like I mentioned in the previous episode about Lyle, there wasn't much that Tony and I couldn't do. I remember one time when we were, let's see, we we told the story in, I guess it was a sixth grade, that we'd recorded a record, right? Only because some girl named Marla said she had one. And this is the time of, of you know, the Osmond brothers. And, and you know, they're a, little, a year or two older than us. It didn't make it. It's fine. If they could record a record, so could we. Um, then there was a flutophone instant, incident where they made us play these little, little, silly little plastic instruments and memorize jingle bells or something for a grade. Uh, really crazy. I mean, what if you don't got no music ability? Tony. He just told the band director that his dog ate his. He got an F. I think I think I actually cheated off of Amy Robinson for the test. Um, it was kind of funny, really, because the next year, Tony joined the band and became a pretty good saxophone player. Um, but, but, but the funniest girl story happened when our friends started getting girlfriends. Now, not us, of course, right? Uh, but even then, it wasn't like a real girlfriend. It was just like usually someone you'd sit beside on the bus or hold hands with or something like that. I even think they had bracelets that they would give each other. Anyway, while bragging, um, either Tony or I mentioned that I was going with Tamara Parkins. Now, she wasn't the prettiest girl in the school. She just thought she was. And since her daddy owned the paper, she got a lot of publicity, as did all 11 of her sisters. The truth is... She never even talked to me if she even knew I existed. Um, it was kind of funny, whatever. Anyway, the word must have got around. And one day on the bus, she came roaring to the back where we were sitting and screamed that she was not going with me. I was stunned. But uh, Tony told the kids in the back, uh, see, uh, she just broke up with him. Um meaning it must have been true. Kind of funny. Then came Little League. Tony moved in too late for Little League tryouts when he was 11, but it really wasn't a problem. I mean, I was pretty terrible at baseball, so I would go to tryouts, and then, of course, no one would call me to join a team. And, and one year, my father was actually manager of a team, and um, he, he, he didn't pick me, so that kind of tells you something. This is around the same time that he advised me to start playing tennis because a lot of spazzes played tennis, and I'd probably fit right in, and I might even be better than spazzes. Um, anyway, Tony missed tryouts, and I was on a farm league team. I said, hey, man, why don't you come join our team? So Tony came and played on the farm team league with me. Now, now the farm team league in our town was for kids that were too young, like eight- or nine-year-olds, and also for a few kids like me who were just not any good. I mean, we weren't good enough to play Little League. It was actually fine with me. All the popular kids were there in the Little League, and it was a big deal, and they had you know hundreds of people coming to their games. Um, I, so I played on farm team, and guess what? Since I was the biggest kid there, I was a star. <laughs> and, and with Tony on our team, our team was pretty good. You see, he was really good. Uh, he was kind of small and spry and nimble and quick, and he wound up being the catcher, which in farm team league, there were no good catchers. Uh, and our team had a great year. So when the next year came, we were going to be 12, and that's the last year for Little League. And, and, and really, not many of the teams wanted to draft a 12-year-old because they'd only have him for one year. He'd be pretty great to get drafted. So it wasn't no big deal. But 
for me to be eligible for the farm team, you had to go through the Little League tryouts. Again, I knew what was going to happen. I was terrible. Um, but Tony went through the tryouts with me, and, and Tony got noticed. And Tony got drafted onto a team. I remember, I still remember telling him how happy I was for him. But inside, I, I was so sad. Not really because I didn't get drafted, because I knew I wouldn't get drafted. But because we wouldn't get to play together on the farm team and ride together to the games and talk about it on the bus. And, you know, I was I was pretty crushed. And I I swear... I didn't let him know. I knew it would be cool to be in the Little League and get to wear those cool uniforms and be with all the popular kids and and all the neat stuff that goes along with it. I think they got, like, free drinks after the game and stuff. This is before Gatorade, so it wasn't Gatorade. It was probably, like, you know, a Coke or something. But, I mean, really, there'd be hundreds of people at Little League Park. It was a big deal. I mean, the, the newspaper would cover the games, and you'd be in the paper and all kinds of stuff. And at the farm team league games um i think my parents used to just drop me off or drop me and tony off you know and that, that's sad uh but there weren't any other fans there either i mean if somebody's dad coached a farm team he he would be there maybe um come to think of it i don't think there were bleachers heck there weren't even fences they just had a backstop and a little wooden bench you know one's kind that if you lean back the whole thing fall over and all 10 guys fall off it um, it didn't really matter to me. It, it, I kept my stats and all kind of stuff. And it, it, to me, it was a hell of a time crushing those eight and nine-year-olds. I mean, being a spaz and everything. But anyway, Tony was in the little league and I was going to play farm team or whatever. Um, but, but the next day, Tony came over and said that um, he turned down the little league. He turned down Little League, every kid's dream, secretly my dream. It would have been great if somehow one day I would have got drafted onto a Little League team, um, but I never did, and, and he did. And, and he told me, really, he said, man, I, I'd like to play. I love the idea, but, you know, I'd rather play another year of farm team ball with you. That day, that day. I learned what a true friend was, and I knew how special and rare a true friend is. A few months later, Tony and his family moved away. I never saw him again, but I am pretty sure that Tony Osamacher is still my best friend. For the liner notes to this episode and all episodes of the Southern Tales podcast, please go to broadneckmusic.com where you'll clip on the podcast page. Here you'll find out more info about this episode and maybe some more depth about it. 
You'll also find out more about our kick-ass theme music from T.R. Crooks, a little band from Paris, Tennessee, recorded 1977. There's a contact email address there, stalespodcast at gmail.com. Here, you can let me know how you feel about it. You can ask questions. You can even tell me your stories. At the end of the season, we'll have a question and answer episode if there's enough of that. And, you know, heck, if we get the right stories, why don't we tell some of your southern tales as well? Maybe we can do some of that as we move on down. Um, Once again, thanks for listening. And I really wish you would tell one friend about the podcast and say hey man it's pretty cool it's pretty fun uh it reminds me of when i was growing up in the south and maybe we can keep doing this see you next week on southern tales Where did it come from?